Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Carraway. And Lisa Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC Flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? I'm amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's M Amazing Radio. I'm Dr. Law. Kid Presentables here. DJ Mark is here. Lavender Goom's still not here, folks. Um, it's trying for return will be next week. But my man got on a plane yesterday and went to work today. So his functionality. He's in the country. Yeah, it's questionable at best, though. So we're going to let him. Uh, I mean, I don't know if he's sleeping or trying to, you know, get a couple of drinks to co-workers. Either way. Well, Sounds Michael like jo- bullshit to me, Bobby. Because so, I remember we went to Japan and we're like, man, we're really jet lagged. He's like, oh, yeah, let's go out for drinks and then walking until like midnight. And I was like, yeah, this sounds great. I've been up for pushing like 30 hours. Yeah, exactly. Mike, no. Mike's, Mike's got to chill. Mike can't, Mike can't provide you guys the entertainment. He, he's failed to do so, I guess, for a year now. So I guess he's, you know, right on course in that regard. There's What's a decent week? chance some of you have no idea who Mike is. He's this fictional hypothetical character that we just mentioned from time to time. Look at Stefan thinking we got growth that we didn't peak a, <laughs> a couple of years ago. I like it. Um, all right, all right, kids. Um, there was no big UFC card this weekend. But uh, we got a UFC card this weekend that's eh. Got a good main event, a couple fights worth mentioning. We got ourselves a Bellator card that's got a uh, it's got a title on the line. Does it have a title on the line or is this dude just fighting? I think Gegard Mousasi is just fighting. Because um, I don't think the Les Shulmenko have a belt again. Um, and as we were before the show, I mentioned that there should be more stories about Heather Hardy. Well, Heather Hardy's fighting also. So you can listen to me and Stefan. Well, I believe, Steph, it was you who were... Uh, we, we talked about her for like a good 20 minutes last time, right? Well, she was new to me because um, it was coming off of the heels of... Uh, she had a in-studio interview with Ariel on the uh, MMA Hour. Yeah. So, uh, you know, every once in a while when he actually has a guest in the studio, they, they go in deep. Like, you know, yeah. they, she she got a full half hour. So you learned a lot about her story. Um, you know, she's... Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't want to go into the details. Yeah. Of it. Look it up yourself. Uh, she's an interesting character, though, you know. And, yeah, um, somebody we wish the best for because, quite frankly, she seems like she's uh, she's giving a good interview, very personable, and Bellator could use people like this. You don't yeah. get a lot of personal stories in MMA in in sports periods, so any anytime you can, that's what always makes you more like interested in the person's next fight. So, so I'm like saying, um, Be- yeah, good to see her. I'm saying Bellator card. I'm saying that out loud now. So there's like a less of a chance I forget and at the last minute just say, oh, yeah, Bellator. So there's that. Um, I was really hoping Mike would be on the show this week because when I sent you guys the link of Nick Diaz trying to steal Rampage's girl, that was sent specifically so Mike would come on the show and talk about Nick Diaz being Mr. Steal Your Chick. Okay. Did anybody else watch that? No. <laughs> that is why I need Mike on the show. Um, guys, Just you can find it on Rampage's Instagram. It'll be good t- context for when we talk about it next week. But Nick Diaz trying to steal Rampage's girl while Rampage out loud telling to Nick, Nick, I've, you've n- I've never done this to you. Nick, Nick, I've never done this to you. Is some of the best shit I've ever seen in my life. So we'll talk about that next week with Mike. 
Because I know Mike responded immediately to that text. <laughs> he see, I tell Mike someone some ratchet shit's happening on Instagram. Mike's all aboard it. Um, we also got Carlos Condit coming back. Going to take on uh, Neil Magny. Um, I'm not sure if we talked about that already. But, Mark, I'm just happy Carlos Condit's back. Uh, yeah, I am too, and and we did talk about it last week as well. That, that's that's how dry you know this card is. Really tiptoeing around, discussing it. There was a point on Saturday where I'm just like, man, I know there's no fight going on, but my Twitter profile feed, which is all MMA journalists, has not had something new on it for like three hours. <laughs> like everybody just kind of took a timeout. Um, which, given the fact that we got 11 UFC cards in the next 12 weeks, uh, probably for the best. Um. All right, fuck, man. Do we just is there nothing happening in fighting? Is that like really what's going on? I mean, we have two cards to talk about to glaze over, and then uh, I mean, there's the press conference with Bisping and. Oh, okay. Uh, look, okay, Bisping and GSP. I'm in for this fight. Let me be clear about that. We're doing it. I'm in. The other middleweight champ is hurt. Sure, GSP is maybe the best to ever do it. Fine. Um. You guys, you can't convince me that there's any actual beef here when months ago they were talking about texting each other trying to get this fight booked, right? Like, Steph, you don't I buy this believe, even a little bit. No, I buy it on the level that Michael Bisping's kind of an asshole. Well, like, yeah. He plays a character, but he's kind of an asshole. So he's <laughs> it, there's beef in the sense like, yeah, that's a guy I'd like to punch in the face, as uh, Ron Swanson might say. Like, uh, that's a guy who could use a real good punch in the face. I hope GSP delivers it. Because I recently was watching um, Captain America Civil War, because it's on demand right now. And uh, I like to see GSP's appearance as Batrock the Leaper. You mean Winter Soldier. Uh, oh, my bad. Did I say Civil War? Yeah. yeah. Um, Winter Soldier, which is also on demand right now. Yeah. But uh, he was watching in, that again. I'll say this. He was in the best Captain America movie, if not the best Marvel movie. But I, I will say I'm worried about. Uh, I, I'm still worried about how he'll look, and in the in the media stare downs, he seems so much smaller. He's, he's he looks like he's getting swole. But GSP, he said it himself. Where like when everybody wanted him to move up to 85 before, he's like, man, I like. He's like, I carry muscle just for the look. He says I'm closer to 155 than 185. So I don't know. I mean, Michael Bisping's got good takedown defense. We're not picking this right now, Marcus. But I, it's been three years. Or it's been. Yeah, four years? No, three years since GSP. Someone help me out at some point. Uh, it's been like three or four years since GSP fought. Um, and Michael Bisping's way bigger than him and has really good takedown defense. Are you having a hard time telling yourself GSP's going to win this one? Uh, no, I mean, I, I think Bisping is going to win this one because I feel like Bisping is kind of played like, like like I talked about or like in many past shows about how Tyrone Tyrone Woodley kind of played the game and kind of picked all the matchups that made the most sense for him. This is kind of Bisping at his best, where he's been able to kind of like, he got the big win over Luke. That was the big hurdle he had to get over, and since then it's just been kind of like picking the little fights he could win and get the most star power and money out of. Because now the lead up to this fight I've been seeing is like Bisping is like I'm gonna have beaten two of the best fighters to ever grace. And he's right. He'll, if he beats GSP, which I think he will, um, just because of the layoff and the weight, there's a lot of things going against GSP in this one. He'll, he'll beat Anderson Silva and GSP. And it's one of those things that come, you know, five years from now, we may forget that Anderson Silva, when he beat him, wasn't at his best. We may forget GSP when he beat him was 
coming from a lower weight class who hadn't fought in three right, years. We're not going to remember, any, we're not gonna remember any of that shit, huh? <laughs> That's not we're just going to remember. Oh, yeah, remember Bisping? He was champion. He defended his belt a bunch of times against guys that were like nearing 40 or over 40 years old. And, you know, he's going to get a bunch of money. And then I, I imagine that his name might spring up in like best, you know, pound for pound. And I think, you know, in, in some respects, he kind of deserves that stuff because I feel like we've all kind of agreed at this point that with the advanced testing and a lot of guys testing positive, that maybe GSP was, you know, higher up in the rankings or was a higher echelon fighter than we gave him credit for. But he just wasn't using the steroids to be able to compete with the guys that were and the guys that ultimately beat him, like your beef tour Belfords and stuff like that. Um, so, I mean, maybe he deserves to be in that conversation because I think he, you know, I mean, who knows if he's clean or not, but he seems like he's been a clean fighter given his performances. Of I mean, not all, being all we really know at this point guys. is like he, under the framework of the drug testing of rain on the framework of random drug testing that currently exists. Michael Bisping has managed to, fa to you talk about Bisping. You said GSP, but you meant yeah. Bisping, right? So, yeah, Bisping, so. Bisping has never failed a test, but yeah, it's going to come down to it. Or like, it might be when it's all, I mean, I like, I contend Michael Bisping was a hall of famer whatever that means, before he even won this belt. Just, like, years of service and number of wins and all that stuff. Um, and, man, if he, like, ends this thing, Steph, if he ends this thing on middleweight champion, beats Anderson Silva, beats GSP, and sure, all three of those are going to be like, yeah, but that's, I mean, for a guy who took a lot of beatings at the hands of people on TRT and steroids, I'm not mad at him, man. What do you think? <laughs> I mean, he won't give a fuck. He'll be the first to tell you he doesn't. But yeah, to me, you know, um, you know, Mark's comment aside until just the uh, physical degradation of the body and mind naturally occurs. Um, to me, there's always going to be a giant asterisk on this. You know, we all forgave that he fought like 44-year-old Dan Henderson who at best was number like nine in the rankings just because of like, yeah, that'd be fun. Wouldn't it be fun to see if Dan still can knock him out? Like he almost did. It's, it, <laughs> and yeah, he almost did. It's, it, it, it's one of those things. It's not that I disrespect Bisping as a fighter. It's like, he, he's a tremendous fighter, but there's asterisks all over this run at middleweight champion, you know, like he, he didn't fight the best. And it's not like, you know, and, and years ago when you could make these arguments that, it's because so-and-so didn't want to cut, like, go to that division or so-and-so fought in another organization. This thing's got no excuses. There's This, is, this isn't Mighty Mouse you're saying, right? Is right here with him. The, the, you know, this, like, this isn't Mighty Mouse you're saying where it's just like, well, there's nobody there. What do you want him to do? He has to leave the weight class. Plenty of, there's been plenty of people for Bisping to fight, but somehow he he's avoided. He's I mean, he, he has to have another match with the Rockhold down the way you'd, you'd assume. He's uh, so far missed Bobby Knuckles. He missed fucking Jacare. Somehow jo on Jacare's tear of a streak, you know, Bisping had someone else clear the path for him, you know? Like, there's so many guys. There's at least four or five guys that would, you would probably pick over Bisping, and he hasn't defended against a single one of them. You know you what? Know, I, like, no one's no one's, no one's one's taking advantage of the UFC pace structure quite like Michael Bisping right now, folks. Let's put yeah, it that I way. Mean, it, it, the thing that is upsetting about it is that he's in the most stacked division at that time, and it was so stacked that there was like four guys that we talked about. Like, oh, these are the guys that he really needs to go through to really cement himself as the best. And it was Jock Ray. It was uh, um, uh, Romero, Romero. Rockhold, Weidman. 
Rockhold Weidman. And then in that time, Bobby Knuckles came up and was like, and look at here's a guy they, we didn't even give credit for. And now he's a fucking killer. Well, so it's like Busassi, this line right? keeps getting Busassi? longer and longer. And he hasn't fought any of them, and he's going to continue not to fight them and probably retire. Well, not the, best fight the five guys that you well, know, and then Musasi was up. in there too. You had Musasi yeah, in there too, exactly. Well, I mean, I don't know. Look, I mean, look. If he wins this fight and wants to keep fighting, he's very clearly going to fight Bobby Knuckles. I think. I don't think there's anybody else. And I think. I think for me, I mean, if he if he retired after GSP, all well and good. You know, the the dude deserves props. He wouldn't have really laid waste to the division at all basically he would have put a minor dent in it getting the, the rock hold win and then not fighting those guys we just mentioned mm -hmm. but if he does do one more fight and he fights bobby knuckles and he wins that fight then i give him a shit ton of credit because Man, you, you, you did your big money fights but you also gave the guy that was coming up and who really earned it because i feel like of those guys we talked about bobby knuckles really and i love how we just call him bobby knuckles i love with the nicknames so I, I can't fuck up the guy's name like i always do <laughs> but um i it, that would cement it for me just to be like okay you know he had his big money fights dude earned it we all agree like this dude's been around he's been you know just punching the pay dirt working his way up coming up short so many times throughout his career and he finally got that big win and then after that he got the fights he wanted he got the big money uh the big paychecks that you know i think we all think he deserves but after that's all said and done, you've got to fight that guy that's top tier, the guy that is really like you wanted to you want to say you're champion of a division, you have to fight the contenders. And so far, he hasn't fought a contender since he's gotten that belt. Well, I mean, like okay, also like to be clear, I don't really blame him for any I mean, look, if it doesn't bother him, go nuts, man. Like, no, there's no blame. It's no, just no, like, no. This but, is like this is the UFC. The UFC is the promotion. It is, yeah. But it's just like I, I don't see Michael Bisping turning down fights in general because I know he didn't pick the Hendo one and they gave him one. I think it's the UFC being like, let's try to. We have Michael Bisping who we depend on to like sell fights. We don't give a shit about more often than not. Let's try to put some shit here together that like his shit talking might get us somewhere. Well, I mean, it's just obvious that you. I mean, since Bisping's been champion, the UFC's matchmaking has taken a drastic turn to be what sells pay-per-views instead of I mean, no, who's he the most deserving. And it was that. And for the most of his career, it was exactly that. It wasn't that like, oh, Bisbing, Dan Henderson too would do a lot of money. I mean, he kept losing. the new brass came in, they're like, oh yeah, that'll sell really well. Him and GSP is going to sell really well. It used to always be top dog gets to fight, and that's where Bisbing always came up short. He had to have these number one contender fights where he kept coming up short. And now that the landscape is completely different, and you know, he's getting the big money payday fights, and it's you know, why wouldn't it? I mean, hey, if I was a fighter, I would want to take the bigger money fights that I have a more, you know, likelihood of winning yeah. too. So you can't hate on the guy at all. It's the organization that makes the shots. But as a fan, and when you talk about legacy and how he's going to potentially hang it up, I feel like it would be somewhat of a disservice to hold on to that belt for so long and not give the line of guys that we just talked about. Let them slaughter each other and none of them get a crack. So I think that'd be unfair to those guys, but you know that none of that falls on Bisping. He's just a dude trying to make as much money, and we've seen his eye. He knows he needs to get that fixed. He needs to make the the movies afterwards. So I mean, why not take the big money fights now while I mean, he still I, can? Well, yeah. So you know what? You made a point there um, about the you know he lost a bunch of number one contender fights. I contend that in the current UFC landscape, somebody like Michael Bisping, who talks a world of shit, who can sell some fights and stuff, Steph, he would have gotten a title shot like ten years ago, right? Just oh no um i mean that's the thing about you know the ultimately you said it earlier where i don't begrudge bisping at all he's he's that second he's the second stage pioneer that like he he's a soldier out of time is essentially you know he he he's one of those guys who found the sport maybe five ten years too soon like mm -hmm. yeah like exactly coming up now 
he has he 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 always understood the game. He always understood calling out. He always understood the trash talking. You know, people act like you know Conor McGregor did something that he invented something. No, he was just really good at something. Mm. You know, Chael knew it too. Bisping knew it sooner than that. You know, Tito Ortiz earlier than that. So yeah, Bisping. I hope he gets as much money as he can. Like you know, we we know that this is kind of his last hurrah, most likely. But more likely than not, if he were to lose to GSP, oh, that'd be such a plummet, you know. Like he would not fast get a title shot back if he wasn't going to hang it up after that, you know. I mean, like, I think I think if he loses this fight, he gets he's got that Rockhold fight. That's still going to be there no matter what. We're getting a third one there. I think he might call it. He might call it a day though, to be honest. Hey, he said he's not either way, but. I mean, he also said if this is the last, if this, if you guys always ever want to see Michael J- Bisping get knocked out. This is your last chance, possibly. I mean, he said that too. So look, look, I don't, I don't think he's lying to me, Bobby. I just like them to tell me when it's fucking like Brock Lesnar after he gets super smoked by Overeem. Like, yeah, I was gonna retire either way after this fight. I didn't really want to do this. I just needed that pay. Hey, you know I just, what? I'd like to know their mindset ahead of the game before I. Michael Bisping defense. will lie to you because Michael Bisping lied to me one time, straight up. Young, yet them amazing times, man. I, Michael Bisping, you know. He's like he's doing a Q and A, and I say, "Hey, are you going to be in? Are you going to Chicago? Because you're going to be on that Fox card." And Michael Bisping said, "No." Twelve hours later, Michael Bisping was at a press conference in Chicago for a Fox card. He lied to me directly, so I don't put it past him to be lying to you, Steph. Just saying. Fair enough. Yeah. You got personal gripes, Bob. I, 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 can't, I can't speak to for that. being the Bisping fan on this show. That one. That that hurt, Mike. That's all I'm saying. It hurt. Um, GSP coming back. I saw the thing where they were talking shit to each other, and then they got separated. And then Bisping, and then GSP turned around to like greet a small child, and the child fled in fear, which I thought that was pretty funny. That I, I enjoyed that. Um, and GSP, it'd be nice. I don't know, man. Possibly the greatest to ever do it is coming back. Maybe we get a little bit of hype to this card, but maybe they figure whatever is going to do well without us trying. The card's great. I mean, we're going to talk about some cards here in a minute, and they're not so great. <laughs> that card that's coming up in a couple weeks is legitimately one of their stacked cards. I'm, like, legitimately excited for... Is this title actually on the line, Bob? Who's? Bisbing with GSP. Why wouldn't it be on the line? Because is GSP going to defend the belt if he wins it? Wait. Yeah, he said he, he says he says he is has he to gonna fight at one eighty. Yeah, he said he said he has it in his contract, and I think this. I mean, contracts can change. Um, that he has to fight Bobby Knuckles. Yo boy, if he wins, <laughs> which I think all of a sudden you book Bobby Knuckles and somebody else, you're like, oh, he's booked. Let's do Connor versus GSP. I, I wouldn't be mad at that. <laughs> I mean, it'd, it'd be fucking over that division. You know the thing, man. Like you guys are talking about this fight and like how this being, how kind of like by the time they booked this fight, we were all we were all just kind of like, yeah, man, fine. Everybody lost. Bobby Knuckles is hurt. Sure, but we got this fight. Quite frankly, I'm pretty interested in the fight itself. Like I think Bisping and GSP is could be pretty interesting. Quite frankly, because Bisping is not an easy guy to get to the ground. Yeah. Stylistically, they match up well, and neither of them can really, you know, bust a nut. They don't have that knockout power, so it's like you're going to get a long, drawn-out fight. And yeah, like, I think the most interesting part of that fight, and we're going to break it down when we get closer to it, is just like, can GSP's, you know, monster double take down Bisming, who has a great sprawl? You know, I think 
the most times I think when Bisbee gets taken down, it's, you know, clinches against the cage. I think that's where he's a little bit weaker, but in free moment, in free movement, when he has that space, I think he has a fantastic sprawl. And that's usually where GSP does his best work. You know, he uses the Superman punches to set up those, like those big fast shots. And is he going to have the speed carrying the extra muscle? Is he going to have the power to blast through a double to get Bisbee? I think these are all the interesting questions for me for that fight. And, you know, when we get, when we get closer to it, we'll be able to break it down more. But, uh, yeah, I think stylistically it's a really interesting fight. So it's really cool. We also got Rose and Joanna on that card, which Mike's a little bit worried about Steph, thinking that uh, Rose is about to get pieced up. Um, probably for good cause. What do you think? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, at this point, Joanna is of such dominance. What are you reasonably going to pick? What would what, what would someone have to be doing that you like actually worried for her? She's she's attaining that level of separation from the division. Um, I remember you know, we thought we, we thought Pena, not Pena. We thought uh, who was it? Not not Gadelia, the one that beat up Gadelia, Andrage. We thought Andrage might put up a was that her name, Steph? Jessica Andrage, where we thought yeah, like, yeah. She, we thought she could maintain a pace and like actually get in on some takedowns, but then she just got. You know, picked apart basically. See, yeah, it, uh, where for where Gadelio kind of ran at, she, she you know she could only implement her takedown game for two rounds. You know, Andrade she she has a bit more of a gas tank, but uh, you know when that was when the cardio wasn't the issue, we saw what is always an issue. And I like I always say I, I always forget until it's actually fight night how big Joanna is at one fifteen. So at the end of the day, that's what the difference with Andrade is. She couldn't get in on that. Mm. Uh, you know, she's eating just jabs Yolanda's the range, whole time. Her just her her range is it's if it's it's like it's in a way it's very John Jones esque. It's whenever someone thinks they have a counter for her, it's something else. If it's not one thing, then it's another thing. Um, Joanna is she's she's pretty ha- head and shoulders above the division. And when you look at Rose, what is Rose? She's kind of like what her strengths are are kind of similar to Joanna's. She's a bit of a rangy kickboxer. She's definitely more of a submission specialist. But she's not the takedown artist who's really going to – she'll get her takedowns off of scrambles, right? Like, even against, like, Karate Hotties because she, like, reversed the position. Like, Karate Hottie got the hip throw, and it was her kind of slithering to, uh, like, the back mount, right? If I am recalling that fight correctly. Yeah, um, I think so. So she's more of your jujitsu style grappler where she's great in scrambles. Um you know, and but the thing is, Joanna is so good at her spatial awareness. If you take her down, she knows how to get back up, and it's a hell of a time to take her down in the first place. We again, we've only really seen Claudia do it, and uh, even when she gets taken down, no one's threatened her with anything because she's so adept at getting back up. You're just continuing to try to secure the takedown. Like Claudia, even when she took it down, she never really had anything super close to anything. Couldn't no one really? None of the women that I've seen have super fight ending ground and pound either in this division so it's nothing that's necessarily a threat um this is a very long-winded way of saying yeah you want to she's a front runner until she loses and um, we, we none of, another... i'll tell you this and then we're not going to call her first loss no that's not happening not at this weight class at least when you tell her she's going to fight like a valentina at 125 then we're having a yeah, conversation that, that's, well that, that's, that's the that's the dream fight god i want to see that we're in Mighty Mouse mode of, uh, I mean, because even who's coming up like that, like, even though Karate Hottie didn't fall that far down losing to Rose, it's not a super compelling contender either. Maybe I think Andrade is worth maybe getting one rematch in herself after just annihilating Claudia. 
But after that, I think, yeah, we're ready to talk Yoana moving up to 125. Um, it's like Mighty Mouse with none of the hype, and that's sad considering the level of Mighty Mouse hype that exists. Is Lumpia right by you, by the way? Yeah, she's uh, going a little nuts. Okay, fair enough. Um, uh, I now lost my damn train of thought. Um, we have another title fight on that card. I honestly don't remember what it was. Oh, Dominic and TJ. Probably the best card. But not, I mean, TJ and uh, Cody. That's probably the best fight, actually. Out <laughs> of the ones we mentioned so far. So, yeah, that's the New York card's awesome. Wish I was going, but GSP, too popular. Um, we also got... Uh, there was some other shit that broke this week, and I lost my goddamn... There was... Um, Ian McCall. That's what I want to talk about. Ian McCall said he wants... Uh, we talked about it last week where he said that he would fight for anybody, but he just wants to get paid. Uh, he's going to get paid by Ryzen. He's going to fight some 7-1 and one kid in the first... in, in uh, the quarterfinals of their Bantamweight Grand Prix. And then if he wins that fight, we're going to get Ian McCall versus Horaguchi, which... That just sounds like a good time to me, Marcus. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we talked about, you know, Ian McCall probably going over to Ryzen and that, you know, Horaguchi's kind of the the big, you know, fish in that pond already. So it was only natural that at some point they would, you know, collide. And having a little Grand Prix is just totally within what Ryzen does. They have like two or three of them going on at the moment. I mean, the, the main problem is just that I don't know how to catch these fights. Yeah, it's, uh, the New, it's the New Year's, it's the New Year's Eve one, and if he wins the first one, that means he'd fight two days later. I mean, is it going to be on HGNet? Is it going to be on American what was television? It on, wasn't all? it just like, there was like a? It was on American television eventually, but then it was just like they you could stream, stream it for free. Something. There was yeah. like a free either that was a free stream or all of the MMA media agreed together to use this one illegal stream. I mean, that's just, to to I mean, that's just my thing. Is just like I like Ryzen a lot. I just I like. The rule set they have, I like. I mean, I just, I'm just a big pride head, and I guess I just harpen back to those days and wish that we saw more, more fights with that rule set and that judging criteria. I just think, even watching some of the Ryzen fights, where you know we're not really looking at the top tier guys, just like those fights are just fun because these guys have so much more options. There's so many more positions where guys in the UFC aren't really in danger, like we talked about the north south position last week, or even in a sprawl position. Like those are kind of stalling positions where guys kind of get stuck in and they have to kind of scramble their way out of, but. When you add knees and kicks to the ground, they become really, really, really brutal areas where you can do a lot of damage. And I think it just makes the fights even more exciting. And I think when you bring in the criteria of Japanese MMA, where they're constantly looking for more action, you just don't have as many boring fights. I mean, they do, of course, they happen from time to time. But I don't know I just like I just like the Ryzen product. The problem is, is I never see it on the MMA sites, which I don't even frequent all that often. We hardly ever talk about it. They seem to come and go with little fanfare, and I fear that. Ian McCall might fight three or four fights and I won't know about any of them until way after the fact. And I might just see, you know, a 10 minute gif of him finishing some guy and not we're gonna really be, we're going to be at work. I'm going to instant message you and say, Ian McCall just fought. You're going to be like, did he win? And I'll yeah, be like, yeah, he won. Here's a little, here's a little 10 minute, uh, you know, <laughs> gif of him soccer kicking somebody. He was like, Oh, that's awesome. I'll watch it later. I'll never watch it. And you know, that's just kind of where Ben Askren and a lot of these top talent, when they go over to Asia, and they're in these small organizations that just don't have much of a foothold in the states. I don't hear about the fights um, after the fact. Well, there's maybe too many. There's too many highlight. fights. Also, that's and the there's we used too many to, fights. Well, you still. I used to watch. Like, I mean, when, when I live with uh, Mike, we I we I used to like record the HDNet fights because it was on really late on the East Coast, and I'd be like my Saturday morning is watching whatever like 
rising card or hell if it was like whatever was on hdnet i was watching now there's just too many fucking ufc cards i can barely watch bellator Steph, you want yeah. to chime in? I mean, we're not really making picks on it, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say Ian McCall does not win this Grand Prix. Just because that's the type of thing that happens. It's like... Ben well, Horiguchi's Askren, good. Like, like, the whole thing of Ben Askren, uh, what's it called, uh, you know, if he actually is retired, it's because he's been getting very precarious to losing. Mm -hmm. Like, he keeps should lose, whether shenanigans or it's a no contest or it's a draw. Something happens, but, like, he should be getting that loss. <laughs> Um, I kind of feel like Ian McCall's been getting a lot of negative press lately. I'm sensing the karmic thing is going to come. But yeah, Horiguchi should be a star. As as far as I know, Horiguchi is the number two flyweight. Uh, he just can't be a Mighty Mouse. I mean, other people got closer. But then again, he didn't get knocked out. What are you talking about? He, he lost at the last second possible you could get finished. <laughs> he lasted so, so long. Um... Like, I really wish you guys had watched Nick Diaz stealing Rampage's girl. Because I feel we could have talked about it this week. And <laughs> thank God, I just like Rampage going, Nick, I've never done this to you, Nick. I've never done this to you. Um, See, uh, Bobby, I just got to say, is uh, Mike will give his colorful, wonderful take. So I'm going to be the bummer this week. See, I, we grew up liking Rampage. But the older he gets, the sadder the shtick becomes. And well, that's so, I don't want to be bummed out by old Rampage. It wasn't, you know what? A, a lot of the Nick Diaz Rampage stuff online is depressing these days. This was a moment of wonder. Just, they seem like they're outside of like a Vegas, like Val, at a Vegas taxi cab line. And just Nick swoops in. Um, you know what? Let's talk about these cards. Because fuck it, why not? Um, we're talking about Bellator first because it's happening first. Bellator is going to the metropolitan that is Uncasville, Connecticut. Because I'm 99% sure there's an Indian casino there. Um, and we're going to get Gegard Musasi versus Alexander Shlomenko. Um, Sweet and Sassy, the Young Vagabond, both nicknames you can steal from the co-main event podcast. I personally like Sweet and Sassy. I think it's pretty good. Um, Gegard Musasi last fought in that weird fight with Weidman where it got stopped. But, like, Weidman thought he was going to get a DQ, but he wasn't actually – no one committed a foul, so he just got a TKO. Um, he's on a bit of a run. Um, it made a lot of sense for the UFC to keep him, so naturally they didn't. Um, my guy, Alexander Shlomenko, a lot of shine wore off Shlomenko with me when it became abundantly clear that his takedown defense is so bad that people questioned if he's throwing fights. Um, Marcus, how quickly – Will Gegard Mousasi take down and pass Alexander Slomenko's guard um, over under three minutes? Mm, that was good. That was good. Because I was going to say, he's not going to do it immediately. He's, he's going to jab him in. a little he's bit. He's going to jab him up. <laughs> he's going to get the distance and then he'll shoot. And, um, yeah, and three, I, I'm going to say uh, over. I think three minutes is just about what I would guess for him to shoot. You know, he wants to get his, he, he's going to get the jabs and the kicks in. And do the measuring, and then I think in the around the three minute mark is when he'll try to he'll strike with a double leg. And you know, I think on the ground, uh, Gegard is a big threat. You know, not just with his submission game, which is really good, but dude has mean ground and pound too. Like you give that dude some space, he's he knows how to throw hands when he's on top too. So I feel like that's really where he's going to be able to really take over the fight because uh, Shlomenko is really good standing. You know, he also knows how to um, range the distance really well, and where Gegard is going to be using the jab and some low kicks. Uh, Shlomenko is going to want to use that space to throw his spinning liver kick, you know, and 
that's around the same space. You know, the distance you need for a good solid jab, for a good step-in jab, is about the same you need for a spinning back kick. So it's really going to be about how Gegard's circling, if he's circling out in a way, or if he's circling, you know, towards the kick and in. Um, that could lead up for, you know, an interesting striking exchange. But I think, you know, if Gegard gets hit, or if he hurts Shlomenko, taking it to the ground is going to be in his best interest. That's where the um, the skill disparity, disparity is going to be the largest. So he's going to need to take it down there to, to really be successful. Marcus, you're uh, you're smacking your mic a little bit with something. Um, yeah, we got that going on. We also got Nyman Gracie, who's the latest young Gracie that's supposed to take the family to the promised land. He's six and zero with uh, five submissions. He's going to be fighting Javier Torres, who I imagine has little takedown defense if Bellator books this thing correctly. Um, as I mentioned at the top of the show, uh, Heather Hardy. Mine and Steph's new favorite um, is gonna ma- take gonna have her second professional mixed martial arts fight. Um, from what I can tell, she's one to know. From what I can tell, her opponent Christina Williams is zero and zero. But there's so little information on Share Dog that I'm wondering how much of this I can trust. I guess um, Steph Heather Hardy, as you mentioned, uh, we're both fans of hers. She's 35 years old. Um, Bellator doing their usual thing, by the way, where they give you just a real slow buildup with these people they think they can do something with. Um, I mean, what do you think? Do you think, uh, there's enough time for her to make a, uh, to make some moves here, make some noise in the Bellator division? I mean, in the Bellator division, absolutely. Why not? I can't tell you who's in that Bellator division. Um, and that's kind of, it's a fair geez. point. So that's kind of the, I, I like her, but you know, it, there's a. I hope she can break out, but her chance and like time in the limelight is going to be very small with Bellator. Um, Marlos Kunin, they probably have her. That's Marlos Kunin. Re- Marlos Kunin retired after Dufresne beat her. I, that, if there's, a, if there's ever okay. a sign that you got to call it, you got to call it quits. It's Dufresne. If takes they have it out. too tired Dufresne in there, um, then <laughs> yeah. It, so it, it's one of those things. Is I'm just for her sake is why I want her to do well. I, I don't really have too much optimism that she's going to attain any the hardcore fans, let's be honest. So um, we'll be the ones who know her. But um, I'm always happy to see her fight. She, she's a game action fighter. Uh, she started very, very late. And, uh, and she's taking it seriously, too, though, man. To it. Yeah, she's, uh, she's um, training no, with she, Henzo. She's taking to it incredibly well. Um, she's so training with the Henzo team out there. Hopefully she gets another win. Yeah. Um, Miss Heather Hardy, 1-0. Uh, you won't be seeing her in the UFC unless she gets really good at MMA because uh, she does boxing as well, which I'm not sure they're so cool with. Well, maybe they are now after Conor McGregor. Uh, she's not this. That's not going to be a thing again. Um, also on this card. Yeah, man, that's about it. <laughs> right? I mean, <laughs> I, I'm not Bellator, we have, you know, a good solid main event and. A couple names you may know, and then a couple fights you don't know either. The guys, I don't know the the other two fights. I've names do not ring a bell. Yeah, Ryan we've been to, we've been to like five Bellator shows at this point. I feel like if someone's on a main card, between a, like watching on TV and being being a few times, we should have like we should know well, people. I feel like the way that Bellator honestly is probably functioning is, um, you know, when I went to some early Strike Force shows with Mark, I remember if you go, you would always get a few camo matches which is like just the amateurs, yeah. even though the only difference is that they wear a shirt. Like they just yeah. have a rash guard. Like yeah. otherwise the rule set seems pretty much identical. Um, and I think 
from my experience when we've covered Bellator shows, I really think that's what they do now is they just kind of gotten rid of the amateur thing. They just fill it with local guys, guys with some type of regional importance that maybe some fans will show up. And that's not that it's a bad thing, you know. It's, it's these guys getting an opportunity. And well, you're like, trying to build a house. It's, it's, Scott, it's, it's Scott Coker, so um, why wouldn't he be taking from his old blueprints? Um, Steph, if Greg Hardy makes a successful MMA debut at whatever... If Greg Hardy... Bobby, if Greg Hardy makes a successful debut, it means he got knocked the fuck out. That's okay. what that means. If Greg Hardy is victorious in this mixed martial arts contest... And I don't know, shows even a decent aptitude for this. Does he get to the locker room before Greg Hardy, before uh, Scott Coker calls Malky? Or is he still in the cage when Scott Coker calls Malky? What do you got? Or are we surprised that he hasn't called him yet? Uh, I mean, I don't know. We'll, fuck if I know. If, if, he, if he takes this seriously and he is successful, he is one of the most physical freak athletic specimens to ever enter the sport. He's only 28. That's that's like and in for the heavyweight world of heavyweight <laughs> he's just learning how to walk. Yeah, he's 3 years away from starting to train like most people, man. Um Greg Hardy by the way, um but, noted woman beater and former NFL player. I guess that and also he has some he had a lot of guns too. I think he threw people yeah, on. He the has guns. a lot of personal issues, but for context, he wasn't just an NFL player. He was a prospect NFL player. Yeah, he he's was a good. guy who if it wasn't for his personal demons and just kind of the terrible human being he's chosen to be, it's one of those things is he throws away the gift because there's too many demons elsewhere. But you know what? At this point, he's this is his second chance. Uh, you know, hopefully he doesn't hurt anyone else outside of a sanctioned event. But um, honestly, for perspective, uh, super freak, physical, fast, athletic, defensive end. Um, from football and if he takes to it you know we've seen other guys you know uh meathead is one who he he showed up when he was like 34 35 yeah and he was like a fringe nfl prospect but you saw what his quickness his speed what his footwork could be so um it's definitely interesting at least in terms of like if he takes this seriously uh all right um donald cerrone and darren till are going to headline a fight card taking place. I'm just seeing this shit's on fight on uh is this on Fight Pass? Are we are we so lucky yes. that we got it is? Correct. All right. We're going to have to dial up that Fight Pass free trial, folks. Got to we're going to have to free trial our way to watch this thing. Um taking place this I said Saturday. Now I'm less confident about that. Um yeah, Saturday. Um it's a good time for a car to main car starting at noon Pacific time from the Ergo Arena in Nats in Dansk, Poland. Donald Cerrone and Darren Till are gonna go out there, and I'm glad this is five rounds. Well, assuming that Mr. Cerrone doesn't finish this real quick, but these guys are really able to get into it and start throwing. Um, Steph, we got here, we got Donald Cerrone, noted fucking action fighter, and Darren Till. People are maybe. Not as familiar with, but he's a bit of a prospect. So there's right there the death sentence right there, telling him that you guys he's a prospect. Um, he's a master in Muay Thai. It's just a straight stand-up kickboxer, really. He's been doing Muay Thai since he was 12 years old. Was a professional at age 15. Um, I feel if this is going to be on Fight Pass, I guess Steph, uh, a hardcore fans fight, I guess makes sense on some levels, huh? 
I mean, yeah, you're just, you're, this is just, you know, we were talking about earlier with this thing. This is Cowboy, just being the consummate company man here. Mm. Uh, God knows why at this point for that guy. But, um, mm. yeah, you know, Cowboy sells. He, he gets a, he's got a shtick. You know, we love uh, Vulcan Ozdemir with his no time. But Cowboy was pulling the Cowboy, Chris, or Kid Rock thing. Um, so it'll be fun. You know, I, I, I couldn't remember who Darren Till was until you reminded me that he's the, the English kid who then spoke Portuguese. Yeah. I remember that. I don't. I remember he won the fight. I can't remember how. I don't remember the details. But I just remember everyone booed him, obviously, because he beat a Brazilian dude in Brazilian. Yeah. And then he's like, no, 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 everyone. He took the mic, just started speaking Portuguese, and that whole Brazilian crowd had the exact reaction <laughs> that I had, Bobby, when a one Brazilian name, uh, Wagner Rocha, <laughs> just spoke English with no hint of an accent, just <laughs> fluidly, like the kid grew up in Jersey. And he wasn't actually from like Belo Horizonte, which he was or whatever. Mm. But um, yeah, I, I like the kid. Uh, just because I've been predicting Donald Cerrone's demise forever. The fact that Cerrone said he didn't know who Darren Till is either. <laughs> like he might be check, checking out into that phase of his career. He's still always talented and dangerous. But why not cheer for a new like prospect on the rise? I will, I will say that your kiss of death will be bucked on this site. I mean, I not that I'm hoping for Donald Cerrone to lose. Um, I just hope this is going to be the fun fight on paper. It looks like it's going to be. Marcus, the reason we went to Poland, you think, is to maybe send your Polish champion over there. No, because girl wants to get paid on pay-per-view. So instead, we send the other Polish girl. Uh, the other Polish uh, flyweight you got, or strawweight. You got the one and only Karolina Kowalkiewicz. Um, she's I love gonna her take... though. She's she's adorable. She's yeah, I... freight trained by Claudia. I really like Carolina also. Um, but she's taking on Jody Escabel um, from the Jacksons camp. Um, last mentioned on this podcast when um, our girl Alexa Grasso carved her up with elbows in her last Invicta fight. Um, Marcus, we just trying to get Carolina back on track here. You think in her home country, you know, against an opponent she should be able to handle. I mean, I think so. Just, I mean, I don't know a lot about Jody. I vaguely remember that fight with uh, Grasso. So, and this is going to be her first UFC fight. It's going to be in Poland. You know, she's going to have the home crowd, the home crowd against her. There could be UFC jitters like we've seen before. So, and I think just Carolina has has fought tougher competition and has come out ahead. So, yeah, just on paper, you kind of have to give her the nudge, and then you bring in some of the X factors like this girl being her first UFC fight, fighting in the other girl's hometown. Yeah, I think this is really just to kind of show t taste that, um, you know, she's still, you know, of high quality. And even though, you know, she's coming off two hard losses, they're really against, you know, two of the best in the division. And her record still is really solid at 10 and 2. So I think this is a fight where she should be able to win pretty handily and kind of get her name, you know, back in the conversation of potentially, you know, I don't know if rematching Joanna makes a lot of sense just off this one win she'll have to get you know another high profile win maybe two to really start getting in that conversation again but yeah i think this is kind of a fight where she can correct course um you know try tightening up some of the the skill sets that she needs to to be more competitive overall in the weight division so yeah i think it's oh no a tough girl but not just just not of the level that she's used to fighting at um yeah, in the in the loss to Joanna power rankings, uh, probably got Andraj, then Gadelia, then Carolina. Valerie's out of the out of the out of the uh, company. Carla's not. Carla's below that. 
Who else did she beat up? Oh, it's definitely not Jessica Penne. Yeah. Penne. That's, that's the lowest tier, right? That might be. Penne got fucked up. Like, she had a cut on her nose, man. Look like, oof. All right. Um, also on this card, more Polish people. Jan Blakowicz. Man, lost four or five. There was a point where we wanted to send him out there with Rumble Johnson. This man would have died. Um, yeah, it'd be nice if he won. He's lost four or five, two in a row. They aren't the bad people. He lost to Cummins. He lost to Gustafson. He hasn't gotten finished, but you got to get a W here. Um, and speaking of needing a W, Marcus, I mean, I told you I was, I didn't think the guy was going to get another fight. Um, and here he is getting another one. Marcin held. Um, I don't know if he gets this fight, if they weren't already going to Poland, but our boy Marcin um, has lost his all three UFC fights. The one in the middle there was some horse shit with Joe Lazan, but I don't think anybody on this card needs a win more badly than this guy. What do you think, Marcus? Oh, yeah, no, for sure. And I mean, I think this fight taking place in Poland Poland is the only reason why he's still on the roster. I think he can still pull somewhat of a crowd there. Um, but yeah, he needs a win hard because I think his last fight, as far as I knew, was kind of a no-name guy that we all thought like, okay, this is his fight to kind of correct course and try to potentially get things moving again for him. And he got knocked out with a knee. So yeah, he definitely needs to win, win this fight. Um, and I guess he's on, I mean, I'm looking at this card and it, it, it's not good, but there's some names here and a lot of them are lacking from the main card. And I think Marcin help is kind of one of those guys. Also, Man, Arden. why do I have to like dig all the way to the bottom of this car to find these people? Why are these fights so early? These are the ones. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there, there's some decent name power, some interesting, you know, matches. I mean, for me, uh, the low ball feely fight is kind of the most interesting. And I'm just uh -huh. like, yeah, why isn't this on the main card? Um, but I mean, it, it is what it is. And you have Anthony Hamilton. There, there's a, a number of, Guys that I'm kind of familiar with, none of them really. Sam Alvey? It, Sam Alvey was another one, but none of them are like so much. So I'm like, oh man, I really got to catch this card and all the fights. It's just like, oh, this card's not as bad as I first. Because you look at that main event or the main card and you're like, eh, you know, the, the top two fights are pretty good. And then you have, like you said, uh, John and uh, Jonathan Wilson. I don't even know who that is. And he's the only guy with the Wikipedia. I, I, you got to so. think that like they put like some of these like Artem's fighting early, maybe because it lines up well with like the time in Ireland or something like that. Yeah, um, maybe. You knows, also got, I mean, if, 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 if anybody's watching this whole thing, Josh Emmett's a guy to keep an eye out for. Um, he's already lost. He lost his last fight, but he's a team alpha male kid who's 11 and one. You guys lost uh, over it, but I just want to backtrack on a really funny moment in MMA because uh, you're like, we're familiar with Sam Alvey. But this is absolutely a punishment for Sam Alvey and the series of performances he had recently. Because yeah. if you recall, he beat Rashad Evans in victory. They didn't want to give him an interview. And I forget what, what country they were in. He was like, come on, I learned Spanish for this. <laughs> I forgot <laughs> about that. It's because his, his fight against Rashad was so bad. And like, this is a punishment by Sam Alvey. Lord knows we love him, but man, that guy, he, you talk about someone who needs a win. He needs a respectable performance. He's teetering on the brink of being one of those guys that even if he won, they would just stop giving him fights. All right. Like, uh, um, Ali's been doing poorly. Um, so, yeah, um, there's that card also. Um, something else, and um, Steph, your connection get a little bit choppy. I'm going to go to you on this one, but if your thing dies out, Mark, please chime in. Today... Our friend Habib came out of hibernation um, to say he's healthy. He's going to fight at the end of the year. And he's trying to angle for the Tony Ferguson fight. And while at the same time saying we need to book 
Connor versus Nate. So, uh, there's that. Um, Stefan, am I wrong in that, like, I'm just sitting there thinking, like, don't book that fight another time because I don't know if I can believe it's actually going to happen regardless of if they start walking to the cage. Mm. I mean, yeah, we're always going to be nervous when it comes to Habib. Um, you know, there's always fighters, right? We're, we're nervous with John Jones of can he pass a drug test? There's just things you get nervous about with fighters. But, um, you know, I, I like to try to maintain the positive thing because I do go negative from time to time. But when Habib makes it to the cage, we're in for a treat. I love watching Habib fight. Does you he know, deserve like, this fight? Does he deserve it? No. Um, you know, and but I think I think he's doing something that's smart for him. I think it's, it's he's right to want Connor to fight Nate because he's out of the picture otherwise. You know, he, he's already out of the limelight now. You know, like, I, I don't know how savvy he is about everything because he's made some questionable choices, but someone's got to be in his camp has to be aware that he's kind of falling to the back of the pack right now. And he's been falling to the back of the pack, you know, and um, it, whether it means or anything, uh, there was a fun little Conor McGregor tweeted out. I don't know. It was like a Photoshop of a GTA 5 image. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was him acknowledging it was Conor McGregor with the one word caption, Tony, you know, like. Is and if so, if, if Connor does actually look at Tony, because you know, you know, there's all these theories that Nate might be pricing himself out um, of the rematch. Um, could be a billion things, but if Connor were to were to fight Tony next, then yeah, Habib's just on the sidelines because Habib's not going to fight Nate. You know, they're not going to waste that. Nate is only fighting Connor, so what does Habib do at all? It's it's you know, he's on the shelf if he doesn't call out someone. So I get it from his end, but um, he he probably doesn't deserve it, but. That doesn't mean I don't want those fights because I think Habib might beat everyone. Like, yeah, for a guy that uh, hasn't lost, he really got a lot of people are just like, man, fuck that guy. Um, Steph, your connection is getting real choppy. Do me a favor and try to disconnect and reconnect if you could. Um, Marcus, um, I'm I'm stuck on Nate versus Connor, and I really think that this might just all be the UFC and Connor trying to put pressure on Nate to not take as much money. Or do you think do you think that's the case, or do you think Connor's sincere in that I'm fighting Tony McGregor, Tony Ferguson next? Um, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't really know why it would benefit like Connor to like, oh, let's try to get Nate not to make money. Like the dude. I mean, and we we've well, seen, no, I think he just wants he wants Nate to sign. That's really it. yeah. I, I mean, and Nate, you know, and, and Nate's always been very stubborn about you know getting paid what he feel like he deserves, and we've seen him sit on the bench for a long time and and kind of do. What has happened to uh, – um, oh, my God. What's the guy we were just talking about? The Russian guy. I'm blanking on his name. Habib. Habib. I mean, he purposely sat out for a year old. Habib has been injured and, and couldn't fight because he's waiting for that big money, and he'll probably continue to do so because he knows he knows that he can push pay-per-view sales and stuff. So, I mean, I, I'm with you, Bob. I want to I want to see Connor and Nakes. I think that's really fun. But I think just as interesting as – uh, Connor and Tony, and I think for Connor, he should look at Tony and be like, "Yeah, this is another guy that he'll fall into my skill set really well. If I fight Nate and then Habib and Tony fight, and Habib beats Tony, Connor's not going to want that fight because that's a tough fight. Even though, I mean, he might be able to get him. I mean, it's an interesting fight. I think skill set wise, it definitely plays to Connor's weakness, which is his wrestling game, and definitely you know his bottom game not being super strong, but. You know, uh, Habib's stand-up is pretty poor, so he could still just think, like, I can knock this guy out when he comes in. Well, and you that's know what? very realistic. If I'm Habib, if I'm trying to get something booked, he gotta, he's got to get it booked um, fast because 
some, there's a variable here that uh, people aren't talking about enough is that uh, Justin Gaethje is going to fight Eddie Alvarez. Um, and that's happening in a beginning of December. So if Justin Gaethje goes out there and puts a stamp on this thing, I think he jumps Khabib. I think he will jump Khabib. Yeah, I he think goes there, out there, there and there, lays there, it on Eddie Alvarez. He's the one because the way he fights is just dollar signs. Yeah, no, I totally agree. But I mean, for Habib, if I was him, yeah, you need to push for a fight. But really, I mean, the hurdle for me as a fan is his, or you know, booking for a fight is just like he needs to fight anybody. Really, just anybody consistently being able to not be injured and continue to fight multiple times. Because look, I mean. Even if he fights Tony and wins, if the dude keeps getting injured, he's going to lose that belt just from inactivity. Because like you said, Bob, I think there is a lot of fighters in lightweight that can draw and could, you know, sell enough or, you know, push enough numbers where they could convince the UFC to give them a title shot. But a lot of them match up really well with Connor too. The only one who doesn't is Habib because all the other guys we're talking about are guys that like to stand and bang. And I don't think anyone's better than Connor. I don't think anyone carries the, the power punch like Connor does. So even if, you know, uh, Gaethje beats Alvarez or Alvarez beats Gaethje and we saw Alvarez and Connor fight. These are all action fights and as a fan they're just super exciting and they're fun and any way you kind of shuffle a deck we're going to have fun outcomes at lightweight as long as these guys stay healthy. Uh, but for Connor I mean there's one fight that I think realistically he has a decent shot of losing and that's against Habib. So you know get the paychecks while you can and even that fight I still think is interesting. I mean that's just, that's what, that is what is so fun about Connor. You can shuffle a deck with that guy in multiple weight classes and put him up against just about anyone. He's going to sell, and it's going to be an interesting stylistic match because of the power he carries in that left hand. Um, and the, a lot of the fighters that he's going to match up against are going to be maybe somewhat willing to stand with him, or that's really their MO as well, so they have to fight fire with fire. And I think that just makes for really interesting fights. Probably ends up making a lot more K, you know, stunning KOs for Connor. And can probably heal that wound of you know the the TKO loss he just had from Mayweather. Man, um, I'm sitting here thinking like, ah, you know what I'd like to see? I think Khabib versus Nate. I think Khabib would win, but I would like to see that. And I'm like, oh, Nate's never gonna take that fight. And then I'm like, what's the next best thing? Oh, Tony Ferguson versus Khabib. And then I'm like, yeah, that's why I was so excited for that fight. On paper, that is awesome. Why I, just... I wouldn't like. Habib versus Nate is I just have a picture of uh, Nate versus Rory McDonald. Well, you know, let me, let me like say the caveat. Like that. Let me say the caveat. I want Habib to fight both of these people for five rounds. Either way, I want Habib in a five round fight. Either way, with both those yeah. guys because they're both tough to finish. Tony at this point probably fighting better than Nate is these days. I think Nate's got better hands, but I think both of them, given how active they are on bottom, I think it'd be interesting at least. I will say I'm not super scared of Habib's gas tank, even though it is five rounds is a different deal, because we've seen him go to decision enough time. I, he he embraces the grind. As yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not worried about him getting tired as much as no one's ever been there that late with him. Also, And also, I don't know, man. I mean, look, the Dagestani revolution died around the time uh, USADA rolled in. And I'm not making any accusations about Habib, but I'm just saying, like, what happened to all these dudes? They're all gone. There's one guy left. An entire Russian fucking Olympic team almost got banned from the Olympics for steroids. So there's that. Um, let's do stuff we like, where I'm going to recommend. So I'm gonna I'm gonna knock this out actually first because I'm about to give a, a a kitchen equipment review as my stuff, my thing I like this week. 
Um, I bought an Instant Pot, which um, is like the hottest selling thing on Amazon um, during Prime Day and Black Friday last year. It's kind of like it's a slow cooker and a pressure cooker and it sautés and it makes rice and it makes yogurt, which is a real specific thing to call out, but it's on the box. Um, you can steam stuff. Really, the reason this is what it is is because in mostly, most of the things you'll see like Hamilton Beach and all them, all those other companies will give you like a slow cooker that does a bunch of rice, does rice cooking and steaming and it'll be like 30 bucks. This one's a little bit pricier and that's because it's a goddamn pressure cooker. And it also has a stainless steel um, interior, making it pretty great for sautéing. I made um, I made some good ramen the other uh, on Saturday, and then I also yesterday made some um, I made pressure cooker some chicken thighs with some salsa. Um, really good. I'm a I'm a I know this is a weird thing to be talking about the stuff we like, but I like it um, quite a bit. It's uh, it's pretty cool, quite frankly. I'm thinking about the other things I want to make in it. And then another thing I got is I watched the premiere of Mr. Robot, which um, it wasn't good. It like bummed me out how not good it was. I had a few moments of okay. Um, that I was at the end of it, I remember thinking like, is this show just a different show now? And without giving too much away, kids kind of like, I guess, woke at this point to what's happening. So, knows he's a robot. He's it's just like he, okay. So it's like he kind of knows what's going on now, which makes it like a weird dynamic. Is that, um, am I right? I don't know a damn thing about this show, Bobby. No, he's not a robot. Um, oh. So it's I. I still I'm gonna give it a shot. Um, my friend Hillary was watching it, and she said she gave up after ten minutes. And let me tell you, those first ten minutes were fucking rough. Because at the end of those ten minutes, I'm like, oh fuck me, this is bad. Um, but this show's provided me a lot of entertainment, so I'm not gonna write this shit off after one episode. I watched three seasons of Bad How I Met Your Mother at least. So um let me let me give it a couple more weeks. We'll see how it goes. Um Steph, what do you got this week? Um, what do I have? I don't have too much. I've I've kind of recycled things. Uh, I ended up taking my sister to see it, so I saw that for a second time. Um now that I know more about it and Stephen King's universe, I was actually able to pull out a bunch of easter eggs that i wasn't aware of nods to future things that i think are going to happen in the sequel um again i'm not a big horror fan but movie it happens to be the horror genre but under it it is a good movie so um i still highly recommend that uh i randomly so um it's funny that you mentioned mr robot because i think you're even though it's the season three right yeah, even though it's season three, uh, I was thinking about finally starting it, but uh, your little anti-review makes me like, yeah, maybe I can pass all together. Uh, I, I finally, I, I just got an iPad recently, so I installed the uh, Amazon uh, Prime Video app and I was just figuring out stuff to watch. But what I did watch was uh, the first season of The Tick. Um, it's only six episodes. Shit, that was easy to binge through. It is short. Um, but... I'm not sure. I, I think it's all right. It, it's pretty low budget, but I kind of dig it. Um, it. I don't know. Did you finish it, Mark? Um, uh, I think I got like, like two or three episodes in. I enjoyed it. I just we just kind of fell off. Yeah, it's 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 pretty low budget, but I think it kind of adds to the simple charm of it. I guess. Um, this was another really cheap, low budget show, 
that I really enjoyed, but uh, that was cool. So, um, yeah, if anyone has any Amazon Prime recommendations, it's one of those things I've had Prime for like three years, but I never think to like think library is because not all of it's free. Like I get frustrated when I see something I like and next thing I know is asking if I want to pay $3.99 for it. Um, still need it does not have the most intuitive uh, interface all like a Netflix or something but um yeah shows on this prime keep winning awards I feel like I should watch something pretty sure Bobby's muted in oh department. yeah I was gonna say like uh, I don't know if my computer's bad oh there we go there Sorry. we go um I, I I watch I use Amazon Prime I watch I've, I've watched the Americans and I've got I got back into watching the Americans after Mr. Robot let me down this week I at the end of season three that is a show you should watch it's a really good show um and if you don't want if you get bored of that just watch Batman the animated series the whole thing is on there so <laughs> that's, that's, actually, that's, that that might be my going to sleep show now. That is my well, that's my going to the sleep show now, man. The problem is I can't figure out how to stop this stupid autoplay. So I gotta like half remember where I was the next morning and try to rewind this thing to like five episodes back. Um now, you yeah. just keep rolling through, and if you slept through the episode, that's too bad for that episode. That's fair enough. Um, Marcus, what do you got this week? Uh yeah, a couple games coming out. Uh the new South Park Park game, the fractured butthole. It's so funny to say that. Uh, it's coming out. Uh, and, and reviews came out today, and it got pretty good reviews. I think it's sitting on like an 80 or 85 on Metacritic. So a lot of people say that it's kind of more of the same but better from the stick of truth. And now instead of you know going the fantasy realm where they're kind of leaning on like Lord of the Rings and stuff, maybe Game of Thrones as well, it's going more of the superhero route, which is kind of interesting. And they definitely have made some improvements and adjustments to the uh, battle mechanics for the turn-based RPG. Now you're actually moving your characters and you have different squares you can attack and stuff. So there's a little more nuance to the battle system, which I think is a good addition. Um, other than that, there's also Gran Turismo Sport, I think is coming out this week, uh, as well as WWE 2K18. So, you know, some kind of long-running franchises that, you know, some people might be looking uh, forward to. Uh, for me, I'm probably not going to get any of those games. I'm thinking maybe South Park will be like a Christmas gift I ask for. Or I'll pick it up on the cheap during Black Friday or something. Um, other yeah, than that, WWE is one of those uh, Black Friday two for fifty dollar. Yeah, I games. think I've been. Yeah, picking that, up. That, that, that's coming. That's coming to my house too. Uh, Drew's going to buy that. My roommate that he's yeah, down. Yeah, the last couple of WWE games I've gotten on Black Friday for like thirty bucks at Best Buy. So that's a, you can wait for those good deals to come for that kind of game. Um, but some of the other stuff outside of the gaming, I did want to mention, uh, first yeah, months ago, I mentioned a, uh, Twitch stream and it's also on YouTube on Geek and Sundry. Uh, it's basically voice actors that play Dungeons and Dragons. It's called Critical Role. They have been playing their campaign for four years. And I think maybe the last two or three, they've been live streaming on Twitch and uh, Geek and Sundry. And they actually finally wrapped up their campaign. Um, if you ever watch Critical Role, it's a really heartfelt game like these people just are having a ton of fun playing the game and they really get into the characters and what's happening in the game and for them to finally wrap up their campaign um it was really heartwarming to see i mean they had an epilogue for all the characters that ended up surviving and uh just being a part of that and uh you know they really have a strong community as well just being kind of watching that every thursday me and christine would watch it they're usually at least three hour streams if not longer uh, kind of investing yourself in the Dungeons and Dragons world that they've created has been a really fun experience. 
And it's been really fun to kind of see them finally wrap it up. I mean, Dungeons and Dragons is kind of a game that a lot of people feel can kind of go on forever. And in some instances, it kind of can. But a lot of times you'll have a campaign that kind of wraps up. And it was just really fun to finally see that come to a close, come to an end. And it's really exciting to see when they come back at the beginning of next year, where they go from here. Um, and it's just, I mean, if you haven't ever seen it, I, you can pretty much jump into any episode. Like I said, they've been playing for four years. So even as we started watching, you don't really get to start from the beginning. You kind of jump in wherever wherever you choose. If you want to jump in the beginning of where they started, um, you know, streaming it and, you know, presenting it to the public. Um, they also have podcasts that you can start on if that's easier for you to digest instead of, you know, watching a video. Um, but yeah, it's just really great stuff. It's really, I feel it's presented Dungeons and Dragons to a lot more people that might not have been aware of it. And it's kind of given more uh, scope and exposure to that game. And that brings me to the last thing I want to talk about. I think I mentioned last week that me and Christine were going to be at the Sinister Creature Con in Sacramento. Um, you did. Yeah, we were vendors there. And when we were at Ape, the Alternative Press Expo about three weeks ago, um, I kind of came up with the idea of playing a little game at the booth. And basically, we made an abridged version of a Dungeons & Dragons battle where basically we'd give people at the con three turns to try to kill a beholder. And we basically really crunch down you know, a lot of the mechanics, and you're just rolling a d20. If you get 10 or higher, it's a hit. And then depending on what class you have, you have different uh, dies that you roll for damage. And it was, I mean, it's a big hit at the con. A lot of people have a lot of fun playing it. And for me, kind of like Critical Role, it's just really fun to talk to people and ask them, like, have you ever played Dungeons & Dragons before? And a lot of people were like, no or yes. And it's really fun to show people the game in basically a really abridged version of how the mechanics kind of work and just to see people have a lot of fun i mean we just do three rounds it's a really short it probably takes about 30 40 seconds to play um but just playing with people and seeing how much fun they have and then when they leave they're like man that was really fun i've really enjoyed that 30 seconds we had of playing dungeon dragons and it was really cute the first day we were at sinister creature con there was this little kid dressed up as a dead shot and he played a game and he lost and he came back to the booth probably four or five times. He's like, can I play again? And after a while, we were giving away cards each time you played. And I had to tell him, like, well, we're running out of cards. So how about we, we still play, but we don't give you another card because we're running out of supplies. He's like, oh, that's fine. I just like rolling the dice. And, I mean, I think for me, I am happy that maybe one or two of those people walk away. And they're like, yeah, Dungeons & Dragons is really cool. I kind of want to get into it. And there was a lot of people I talked to as well that were like, yeah, I really wanted to try Dungeons and Dragons, but I don't have any friends that play it. And I was in the same boat. You know, none of us played Dungeons and Dragons. Christine and Shauna never played it. I really wanted to try it out. I got the beginner's box. You know, Christine and Sean had a lot of fun playing it. And now, you know, we play games, you know, at least once a month, maybe twice a month. And it's just become a really fun thing. And now it's fun that, you know, me and Christine are doing these cons and we're vendors at it. And now we have this little game that we can kind of present to people that they get all excited for. We get to kind of expose them to, you know, the fun and joy you can have with rolling dice and pretending you're a hero finding a monster. It's just, it was really fun. It was cool. It killed a lot of time. It got a lot of people interested in the game. And, you know, it, I think it helps sell some things. You know, at the end of the game, we started saying you get $2 off. And that, you know, because as me and Christine are doing this whole, you know, convention thing, we're trying to sell her artwork and stuff. We were trying to think of ways to engage people and ultimately, you know, con them in, into buying some artwork, you know, and, you know, actually making some money. You got to move stuff. some merch, man. I was going to say, because you were talking about all these things. I'm like, Marcus, you better be moving some merch. It's not just fun and games. Yeah, and, and the thing is, is each con we've been to, 
some items are really successful and people just gobble them up. And then at the next con, they just hardly ever move. Uh, uh, Christine had these little Cthulhu election 2016 that, you know, last year did really well, but now it's on election year. So we can't really, uh, you know, sell those as frequently as we can. And then she made little uh, figurines that sold really well at Ape, but they didn't sell super great at the Sinister Creature Con. So it, it's just, a, it's a learning process. And it's interesting talking to other vendors and you meet different people that go to cons. And even though I love them, every now and then you'll get someone that just wants to talk to you about geek stuff for a little bit longer than you want because they're taking up booth space and uh, they call them booth barnacles. You get all these weird terminology, but I, it's just it's really fun going to the cons and working on And This little game that we made was really fun. And I think the first day we played... 94 games and it ended up being a draw with victories and defeats because we tallied them up they had 47 on each side so it's a fun way to, to kill time at the con it's a fun way to engage with the um you know the people at the con and it's just really fun just exposing people to Dungeons and dragons and kind of you know i'm sure you know when you guys played it for the first time and me you know it's a little daunting you know there's lots of these different dice there's lots of mechanics that go into it but kind of just showing them how easy and how simplistic the game can be and getting them kind of excited about it was just really fun. You know, I just thought it was really fun, you know, exposing people to this game that, you know, me and Christine have enjoyed for the last, like, four or five years that we've been playing. So, yeah, I just want to throw that out there. Little do you know, Mark, uh, that little boy, he's going to be on the corner of the street. He's going to be rolling dice. Oh, he, it's not a he didn't care about the game. He's like, he just like those numbers. He's like, hey, man, I don't care about the cash. It's, I just like rolling these dice. <laughs> so, addict, Mark, but I'm sure it sounds fun. Yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. It was really cool to do. Right on. Um, all right. So next week, we are going to talk about the results of these cards, assuming they're worth our time. Um, we're also gonna re we're gonna we're gonna have the return of Lavender Gooms himself. Uh, he's gonna give you the my... he's gonna give you the hot take that me and Mark just failed y'all on. Yeah, though I'm probably gonna forget at that point. Um, we're also going to talk about, and I'm actually pretty excited for this, the return of Lyoto the Dragon Machida. Man who got a real bullshit suspension, quite frankly, um, is finally coming back. He's going to take on Derek Brunson, and it's happening in Brazil, which means the UFC's just, you know, sending Derek Brunson out there to get beat up. More importantly, Colby Covington talking all that shit, Stefan, and they're making him fight Damian Maya. So we all get to pick against Colby Covington collectively. Um, I mean, every hero needs a villain, Bobby. And uh, Colby Covington is a perfect villain. We got some stuff on this card to talk about, at least. You know, got a guy here or there. Um, but yeah, we're going to talk about that. Um, I don't think Bellator got another one next week. But PFL has stuff coming up. We're not talking about that. All right, we'll be back next week. Boy, Mike's here. Uh, we'll talk about uh, Japan shit, quite frankly, with him. Last time he was on the show, we talked about, you know, I think there were like, there was on Japanese TV, they were showing dicks or something. There was some sort of like X-rated shit going on Japanese TV. That was like the fifth word out of Mike's mouth last time. So I'm sure that will come up again. Is it the channel that just runs like 900 number ads? Nonstop? I don't know. what I don't honestly don't remember. Like he started, he got here and immediately we started to talk about like questionable shit on Japanese TV. I'm like, okay, well, that's, that's where we're going. There, there's a channel that's just adult adult advertising. Just constantly. Right. We'll see if uh, Mike bought any more 3DS games because he bought like three when the last day I was there. All right, guys. Peace out. Thanks for listening. See ya.
Oh, 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 oh,